Welcome to episode 46 of No Shot Clock, the Chicago High School Basketball Podcast. I'm Michael O'Brien from the Chicago Sun-Times. Joe Hendrickson of the City Suburban Hoops Report is here as well, as always. Um, first things, we're going to hit up this uh, episode with some listener questions. Then Joe and I are going to give our two takes from the week. Then we're going to hit on some first impressions of a lot of the, the top teams that we saw this week. You know, a lot of teams just debuted at the Chicago Elite Classic, some some other places. So we can talk about first impressions of some of the top 5, 10, 15 type teams. And then we'll take a, a brief look at the end of some of the games coming up this week. Um, so let's jump right in with the questions. Let's start that off. Um, first question is from Steve Johnson. There are three teams in Joe's preseason top 25 teams that have poor records. Hillcrest three and three, St. Joe's three and three, and Proviso East one and five. Do you think they will turn it around? That's for the start. Um, I guess we can take well, one by that, one. That, that, yeah, I mean, I I'm worried about Proviso East. I mean, that record for one thing. Yeah. I had concerns going in of all the top 25 preseason teams. I had the biggest question marks about that team. They obviously haven't been answered, Mike, and they're struggling and. You know, they don't have any big names. They don't have a star. They don't have star power type. And I just was kind of going on track record, going on Donnie Boyce being back, going on a little bit of signs that I saw this summer of some unheralded kids that that I thought might kind of come together and blossom this year. So I think they're my biggest concern for sure going forward. I think Hillcrest is going to be just fine. I think St. Joe's was the other one he mentioned. St. Joe's, I did get a glimpse at St. Joe's. I was not overly impressed, so we'll have to see how that shakes out. But they're, you know, sitting at three and three right now, and that's uh, not going to, you know, it's going to be. They got a tough schedule, so they're they're gonna they're gonna go into January with some losses for sure. Yeah, you know, I haven't seen any of these three teams, so I'm gonna hold back judgment a little bit. Proviso East is 1-5, but it's important to point out who they've lost to. Uh, they, they lost to a Spartanburg Day team out of South Carolina that's loaded. They lost to Kenwood. Problem is they lost by 20 to Kenwood. They right. lost to a California team. Their one win is over Marmion. They lost to Willowbrook by five points, but it's not quite as bad as it sounds because Willowbrook seems to be pretty good. They're 5 yeah, Willow, Willowbrook is really asleep. They were young last year. Mike, they had four sophomores and a freshman in varsity a year ago. They're all back. So, yeah, that's not that horrific of a loss at all. Yeah, and then they lost to Thornton, but they lost by 15. So they have lost by a lot to the teams that we know are good. So that's not great, but it's not – I guess my point is it's not, it doesn't look like crisis yet for Proviso East. They haven't really dropped a horrible one. As far as Hillcrest, I mean, they lost by one point to Bloomington, one of the better teams in the state. They lost to Bloom at Bloom, which, I mean, a lot of people are going to do that. And they lost to Marion Catholic by eight. Um, See, I'm not super worried about them either. Um, They beat Thornwood Harlan, Eisenhower. We know they have some talent. They don't have size, really. That's a problem. That might keep them maybe from reaching the heights Joe and I had them ranked. Maybe they won't hit that high, but I think they'll be all right. St. Joe's, we know they have talent. Um, They also don't have bad losses. So let's hope it's just a, a rocky start. We've seen them lose a lot of games in the regular season and then make a nice playoff runs. Um, I'm sure Gene Pingator will figure that out. 
Um, next, uh, Steve had another question here. He said, there are also several teams with great records who did not make the top 65. De La Salle, Wheaton South, IC Catholic, Willowbrook, Ridgewood, Barrington, Lake Zurich, Oswego East, West Chicago. Who's the best from this group? Well, I've seen a few of those, Mike, and I definitely think De La Salle is the best of the group. We've got a little piece coming out that'll highlight their quick start, their 5-0 and start. You know, if, if you look at my top 65, De La Salle, the omission of De La Salle is clearly going to be the biggest miss. But they lost six. I talked to Tom White earlier today, actually, and and they lost six of their top seven players from last year's 22-win team. So Stone Parker, the, the point guard, a very valuable point guard, is just this heady, gutty leader, competitive kid. He is really... You know, the the only guy back that played major minutes. But I think they're the best of that group. And I think Wheaton South is another one to keep an eye on. They had a really nice win over Wheaton North, who I thought would be – Wheaton North, I figured, would challenge Naperville North in the, in the DuPage Valley. So I think those two teams stand out to me as probably the best of the bunch of those teams that were mentioned. Yeah, I haven't seen any of the, this group yet. I think, you know, Ridgewood has an awful lot back. This is a team that's had a lot of playoff success and, you know, not the greatest 3A sectionals. they got a, a real star with uh, Zach Rezenwicki. Um, Who's coming up with a, a knack for making some big shots. Yeah, I mean, I, I think... Buzzer beaters. and We need to keep an eye on them. And Lake Zurich has established a program over the past few seasons. Um, they're, they're just tough for anybody to beat. And, I, I mean, I think we can count on that every year pretty much. West Chicago has Ty Bibbs. Oswego East and Barrington. You know, I don't think anybody saw Oswego East really starting I, out this well. <laughs> yeah, and I watched them. They, they, they've, you know, they did beat Naperville North. And I watched them last week. They're, you know, they're, they're not going to. I mean, it's Juliet West's league <laughs> for sure. No one's touching them. And then Romeoville and Manuka. And Oswego East is probably right there in that group. Uh, next question is from Shakhari Essex. He says, do you think Chicago hopes transfers and improved players will allow them to finally get over the hump and finally win 1A State? Unfortunately, I don't even know if he's referring to Hope or Hope Academy. Well, they're both in the same sectional, so in 1A. So I, I don't either know of it, but, <clears throat> you know, I just – if there if people are coming to the No Shot Clock podcast for a lot of 1A talk, I know we don't hit it very much because there's not a lot to talk about in the Chicago area. So it, it's really hard. But going on, you know, their road and their routes, I mean, it's not the easiest 1A route. You got a Chicago Leo, Rockford Christian Life is always really good. Um, you know, Hope Academy and, and John Hope. I mean, there's two Hopes. So. Luther North is off to a five or six and zero start, I think, and they're in that sectional. So I, it's really impossible for me to say that this is the year that whatever hope he's talking about gets to Peoria and wins the state championship. But yeah, yeah. it is a, it is a tricky road. We already hit on Hope Academy in the last podcast. They've got a lot back. I think they are definite contenders based on what we've seen from them last year. Chicago yeah, and, they, and, and they and they lost in the sectional final last year. You exactly. know, to, to Leo. Yeah. Um, so yeah, I think they're. I think we can safely call them a contender. The, the actual hope, you know, John Hope, uh, Nate Manoy is there now, and he's been keeping me updated. I know they have someone named Naaman Smith who's putting up massive points. He had a forty-five point and then a thirty-point game, so he might be somebody worth checking out. Um, next up, 
Malcolm Lively, who asks questions fairly regularly on the podcast. Uh, first up, um, he kind of hits on a few questions, a few things we're going to get to about the Chicago Elite Classic. Um, so I'm just going to kind of paraphrase his questions here. Was Montverde that good, or is Eastern or Nogel Eastern going to have trouble at the next level? Um, Malcolm wasn't super impressed with Nogel Eastern, I guess, in that game. That it, it was a rough game for Evanston. They lost pretty badly to Montverde, a prep school out of Florida. Yeah, and to get to that real quick, Mike, I mean, you know, Montverde is, is a monster, a prep school all-star team from talented players from around the country. And Evanston was just outclassed in every way. And I expected that. Everybody expected that. It was a David versus Goliath. And that does not – that kind of matchup does not – uh, it does not bode well for the type of player No Gel Eastern is, because No Gel Eastern is a set the table, make people around him better at his highest level. When there are guys, and, that, and that's what he's going to be in college is what I'm getting to. And you know the unselfie's a little bit unselfish, and he was forced to do things in that game that you know I don't think that's his game and that's his nature. So you know I. I he did struggle in that in that matchup, but uh, Malverde is that good. Yeah, I wouldn't. Yeah, I think it, it's a, just a difficult game for Eastern to play. However, I mean, I agree with a lot of Malcolm's concerns, and I'm, you know, I, we've said it before in the podcast. I'm not 100 percent sold that Nogel Eastern is going to be some impact college player at all. I think he's got a lot to prove this year. We've said that. I think he has started well though this season. Started to come around a little bit on that but I think the jury is still out I don't think at this point you can call him a slam dunk um college success simply because he just hasn't really put it consistently together in high school yet but maybe we'll see that this year and I don't think that's the type of player he is kind of what I was saying I just think he's going to be a really good jack of all trades uh fill in the gaps play some point guard be able to be a versatile kid that plays off the ball some with his size and, and you're right and maybe not be that you know all Big Ten type of player. Um, then Malcolm talked about how great Simeon looked. We'll hit on that later. Um, he wants to know if we still think Curie is better than Simeon. I think we'll save that as well. Um, but he did have a question about, I think a lot of people are going to have, did did uh, Tillman look impressive? You know, East St. Louis is Jeremiah Tillman, the Illinois signee, played against Curie. I mean, I see him basically once a year when he comes in, and that's about it. And I, I saw improvement there for sure. He's just coming back off some injury problems. He, he's had a rough start to the season with all the Illinois stuff going on, I think. I mean, he was to me, yeah, he was impressive. Is he a guy that's going to be in the NBA in one or two or three or even four years? No, not to me. Um, he, he'll be at Illinois for a long time, and I think he'll be a good player for them. Yeah, I mean, I just Jeremiah Tillman sat out a lot of time and did not play in the summer. Well, that's a big loss as far as his development. He is very raw offensively. He's a legit six ten. He does things that I think evaluators and college coaches and a lot of those people recognize as far as what a six ten kid can do, as far as running the floor, catching it in transition, mobile, active, and he's just got a ways to go offensively and. You know, he's not a one-and-done type player, and, and big guys are always improving and getting better. I mean, I, you know, he, he does have a ways to go, and most freshmen don't impact at the, at the college level to begin with. I mean, some of the highest-rated guys go in and, and put up 9-5 and five and 11-5. and five. So, you know, Jeremiah Tillman is not a top-five, top-ten, top-20 
I mean, he needs to right in the outskirts of that. And, and those are the guys that are guaranteed big time success as freshmen in college. That's just it's a proven track record of, of showing that. And you know, he, he's going to be an impact guy before it's all said and done at Illinois, though. Um, and then lastly, Malcolm wanted to discuss the recruitment of a couple guys, Talon Horton Tucker, first off, and then Lucas Williamson from Young. Talon Horton Tucker's from Simeon. So, Joe, what's the uh, step? Well, Talon Horton Tucker, I mean, it, it, it's interesting because he he was a guy that, you know, his the type of recruitment for him is different because now all these mid-majors are kind of just saying, you know what, we're not really going to waste our time. Uh, and, and while the while the high majors are just starting to heat up, you know, DePaul, Iowa State, uh, there Illinois, there, there's a number of schools that have been involved with him. A few that have offered, that you know, Cal just recently called uh, on him. Notre Dame has called on him, so he is right on that bubble of of becoming a legitimate high major guy, and. I would expect there to be, especially if how he played in the opener is in the, in the indication indication of what's to come, he's going to have high major offers before this season is completed, and then obviously the big evaluation period during the April live periods in AAU will, will determine kind of his fate of of how high he goes. So yes, I mean he's he's got high major interest, an offer to there, and 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 the mid majors. It's just that type of deal where you would think, well, why doesn't he have 10 or a dozen mid-major offers? Well, a lot of them are just like, you know what, we're not going to kind of waste our time uh, at this point because he looks the part right now of a just a big-bodied 6'4", talented, versatile wing who's, who does so many things for, to help your team win. Lucas Williamson, uh, on the other hand, I mean, he took an official visit to Hofstra this fall. Uh, Northern Illinois is recruiting them really hard. Have been they were trying to get that thing done uh, in the signing period. It just didn't happen. And he's another senior who came came out and scored. I think 25, 24 points in the season opener. Six five wing. He's going to you know kind of play it out, and he'll end up being a mid major player. Yeah, Williamson's he, he plays hard. Wherever he ends up, they'll be lucky to get him. As far as Taylor Horton Tucker. I mean, uh, why in the world? I don't know why he doesn't have an offer from every high major in the country already. What are they waiting for? Um, well, I mean, they saw Mike during the AAU, and he was good, but he wasn't a difference-making, dominating player on the AAU scene, and that's what they saw in July. Hmm. He was he was very good, and I, you know, everybody knows I've he he was my number three prospect a year ago, and I remember, you know, I took a little grief. I mean from some of the bigger names in the class because I love, I fell in love with him actually and watch him in the fall uh, before last high school season started. And then he showed, you know, flashes here and there, but I mean, it's just that, that cycle. I mean, they, uh, I had the amount of calls and texts I got after he put those numbers up, they're all aware of them. And like, they all like them. And they're the same old stuff that you hear from college programs. Is he athletic is enough? What position? Nah, 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 nah. He's just a player. He's, a, he's an unorthodox <laughs> yeah. type of player who produces, and he's super young for his age. He is one of the youngest kids in his class. People forget that. He's got these long, rangy um, arms. He's got everything indicates that he's still going to grow a little bit more yeah, as well. He has a seven-foot so, wingspan. He looks like LeBron James out there. <laughs> I mean, I, I I think 
while. You know, it, it's going to happen, but it does take time when you aren't this certain prototype high major look, and 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 you're not doing that. I mean, it took look how long it took Jordan Goodwin. I mean, people didn't think Jordan Goodwin was a high major uh, going into you know after his sophomore season. I mean, it was just. It's an incredibly amount of incredibly stupid college coaches, apparently, is the only thing. No, it, it is, and, they, and uh, you know, Talon Horton Tucker will be a high major, but I, in defense of the college coaches, he was good in the summer. I, I didn't think he was as good as I thought that you thought he was or as I thought he was, and I don't think they saw what we apparently saw prior to uh, July. Well, all right, um, let's uh... – Head on. And that, that's the end of the questions. You can always send them in, please. I always put a call out on Twitter. Just email me. It's M-O-B-R-I-E-N, M-O-B-R-I-E-N, at suntimes.com. Let's move on to our two takes. I'm going to start us off. My first take from the week. The CPS is just unbelievably deep. And I, I hit this a lot. It, I went to watch Clemente against Wells. And there are probably three kids that were on that court that can play college basketball at one level or another. And there were two kids on that court, Antoine Lampkin from Wells and Tashawn Stokes from Clemente, that if they played at any other, in any other town, we would already have known their names. They would have been mentioned in preview stuff. And I mean, you think of all the teams in the city, you know, this is just two random ones I went to because it was in my neighborhood and there wasn't much going on that day. And it's kind of mind boggling the amount of talent that's fallen through the cracks, really. I mean, there aren't enough AAU teams, especially the people go watch, to take all these kids. Um, you know, the elite ones wind up, you know, with me. There's definitely enough fire. AAU teams. Yeah. <laughs> there's definitely enough. Maybe not the elite, but there's definitely enough. You know, there doesn't seem to be enough to take the city kids, though. You know, every they all seem to have their own niches, the AAU programs. Yeah, I mean, I, you know, you you rattle off some city names that, for people like myself who go to all the AAU stuff, and you're right, that they, they, still slip through the cracks. Every year, there's at least, there's always a kid or two that I've never even heard of. And that's coming from somebody who, you know, obviously is out there in the, during the high school season as well as AAU. So to your point, you're, you're right. Yeah, it's very weird. I mean, Antoine Lampkin, yes. Calente is not the greatest team in the world that he scored 32 points on, but it's the same court and it's the same... 10-foot rim, and he was 8 for 13 from three-point range. I mean, that's a heck of a skill to have. Um, anyway, it's just I, I think it's very interesting, and, and it's very sad because in the old days, these names would bubble up more because sometimes, for example, would cover oh, 10 to 15 CPS games a week. You know, the Tribune covered a handful, and that's just over with. That's gone. You know, all there is is what I happen to head to. We do have the new publicleague.com website that Eric Van Drill started, so hopefully we'll see some more in that. But, yeah, it's just the, these kids aren't going to get noticed, and it's it's just going to happen year after year. And I, I just I, I hope people understand that the white is pretty good. And if you go watch white basketball, that's the white division right under the red, you're going to be impressed. It's as good as, you know, the second half of almost any suburban conference, and I will stand by that. I mean, this game I saw was very well played, and th- these were blue teams, you know, uh, Clemente and Wells. That's a, another level below the white. It, it was a great game. It was much more fun, for example, than the Loyola-Notre Dame game. But, Mike, what I don't understand is why those the scheduling of those teams. Like, why, why aren't those teams 
you know, I don't even think a lot of them play full their allotment of games. Why is that? I, no, I think they all do. No, I, no, they don't. I, 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 you look at their their, their schedule. going to Wheeling this year. Well, okay, I mean, okay, you can pick out one, two, three, but not every one of those teams. I guarantee you, does not play the full allotment of games. In the white, they do. And they do not go to – they're not in very many suburban gyms or games or seek out – I'm just saying opportunities to to be seen a little bit more than just playing in your – They can't. I mean, the bus issues around the city, I mean, they're terrible for the elite Well, I have no idea of those, so that's why I'm asking. I don't – and a lot of I know a lot of the suburban shootouts and tournaments have been burned in the past by CPS teams not showing up or showing up late or canceling. You know, it's a big problem. You know, a lot of them don't have athletic directors or have athletic directors that aren't interested in doing it. So, yeah, scheduling is a big problem. The coach seems to handle 99% of everything from scheduling the buses to the games to all of that. But, no, white teams are playing their full complement of games. I mean, I don't, maybe some schools in the green, like Spry, some new programs haven't filled it out, but I can guarantee you that King and Wells and Clemente and Foreman and Clark and all those schools are playing their full complement of games for sure. Um, anyway, uh, you're up. Well, my take is a little bit branched off of we're staying in the public league, but just, I came away Saturday at the Chicago League Classic with uh, just the unsigned seniors in the, out of the city. And we just talked about Lucas Williamson out of Whitney Young. But also Manny Patterson, uh, Martrell Barnes uh, at um, North Lawndale, uh, who's going to be a terrific Juco prospect. I mean, he's uh, – I mean, for a, for a team that is as high profile as North Lawndale, he is just kind of an un, a forgotten man. Uh, he's blue collar, hard nosed, tough, competitive, double double kid at six two, six three. Uh, Carlos Hines, another unsigned North Lawndale top twenty kid. Uh, but all these guys produced. You know, Manny Patterson had a double double. Lucas Williamson had twenty five. Hines and Martrell Barnes have been putting up numbers. So the city has got a lot of good looking, uncommitted seniors that college coaches are are really going to be on over the next three months leading into the April signing period. And it was good to see those public league players. A lot of times, you know, it's just a small sample size, but a lot of times when you're unsigned, you do press a little bit, and uh, they, they, they've come out like gangbusters, those kids, and and uh, doing what they can to, to be noticed and, and to solidify themselves as Division One players. Yeah, no doubt. We um, That'll kind of go nicely into my – Second take, I mentioned it today in the newspaper, actually, so some of you might have seen that. We've done a lot of whining, Joe and I, I think, about the lack of high-level talent and just how the talent level overall in this area, especially, and in the state is down. And that's true. We're not wrong about that. However, I think what I learned this week was we have some excellent teams. I think some teams that could play with almost any teams we've ever had around here You know, on the right day. And because they're more than the sum of their parts, they are teams. We saw that with Curie. We saw that with Simeon. We saw that with Joliet West. I'm not even sure what I saw with Kenwood. They have so many players. <laughs> but they're going to figure it out and they play hard. I was just really impressed by how good some of our teams were. They were beating some nationally ranked, very highly ranked teams. The number four team in the country, Gonzaga, Simeon took down. So I think this season is just going to be an excellent season with a lot of matchups we want to see and, and a lot of high-level play even though we don't have 
all those high major seniors and balance among those teams. You know, those, those, you, you, I, you know, that's the best Simeon's looked in the opening game of the season, the Chicago league classic. And we'll get to that later, but you know, I just, I, I, I agree with you. It's just a, a, a nice balance of all those teams that, like you said, are basketball teams. They don't have that high-profile guy. None of them do. And yet they're still among the top five, top ten teams. Uh, my my last one is just on yeah, – and I'm, I wrote a little bit about it. It's going to be in the paper uh, tomorrow on Tuesday. But the Oak Park-Fenwick game kind of – I don't know. It, it, it was different, clearly different than every single other game of the Chicago League Classic. And it was refreshing. The The amount of students from both sides. It's a, it's a rivalry. There's a, the, the two schools are split a mile apart. You've got a public school, a private school. You've got two teams that are ranked right now in, in your top 25. And, and for them to be able to go and play in a, in a bigger venue – I'm, I think Mike and I both talked about maybe us not being the biggest fans of their gyms, and you know you, you, you can't fit a ton into Fenwick's gym. I just think it's a great opportunity for the, that community to get as many people out into a big time atmosphere uh, w- with a crowd that made it a pretty electric night with Oak Park and Fenwick going to overtime. Uh, the creative chants and cheers from the student sections. The uh, the other thing that it led to was an extremely high-intensity game among the players on the court. So I just took away that game. It was my favorite game of the entire weekend, um, and it was because it was a rivalry game, and 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 the juice was in the in the building because of that. Those two fan bases, and I just I, I appreciated the just the effort from everybody in that game, from the players and the coaches to uh the controversial dance team in the middle of third and fourth quarter that rick melanotti was ready to die uh watching the oak park uh, dance team go on and on for five six minutes which is usually a halftime routine but it, it was just a great atmosphere and i think it's you can argue mike that it's the best suburban rivalry i don't know if it's the best but you can argue it because the where the the talent level is the the logistics of the two schools and you know where they're that where they're ranked right now as well yeah and it's you know i'm a strong believer all the podcast listeners know i don't like taking games out of their communities this might be the well it is clearly is an excellent exception to that rule both of their gyms are pretty lousy overall so you're not missing anything not having them there uh fenwick can't hold anywhere near many people for this and i think we kind of didn't appreciate how good this rivalry was until everyone could actually come see it right and uic works because it's right off the the train line that they all close for them yeah yeah they can all take the train if they don't have cars or whatever it makes a lot of sense so yeah it's definitely put a showcase on a rivalry that we didn't know was that good simply because it it didn't have a real home before i never i mean and i I don't know what i honestly can't say what that rivalry was 10 years ago I, i had no clue but you always talk about New Trier Evanson, East Aurora, West Aurora, um, you know, Thornton, Thornwood, Brother Rice, Marist, you know, I, but this one I never, I never really talked about it much until I started seeing it live at the Chicago League Classic. And each year it seems to have kind of grown and gotten a little bit bigger and more intense. 
So it, it was just a fun night uh, that Friday night with those two teams. All right, so let's uh, hit our first impressions of some of the top teams. We'll start right out on top with let, – let's go with Curie. I know they it wasn't our total first impression. We saw them last week, but they had such a big weekend that they need to be mentioned. You know, they Huge. knocked off yeah, East St. Louis. Then they went down to Marshall County in Kentucky and knocked off Belleville Altoff. They – you know, we, I, we, I think I do this every year. Someone gets the number one, and then at some point I say, now they really are the number one team. Now they've earned it. They didn't just get it from me. Well, Curie earned it this weekend. Yeah, they did. They went down. Uh, the, the travel logistics of it is crazy enough. Uh, and I know they're high school kids, and they are resilient and bounce back. And But that's a long drive to go play Jordan Goodwin and Belleville Altoff. Now, Altoff is not the Altoff from the last two years. But still, Jordan Goodwin's on the floor, and he's arguably the best high school basketball player in the state of Illinois and an ultimate winner. For a Curie to go down there and get that win following you know, uh, Friday night, impressive. And, and they have got a – you know, we talked about all this balance. We talked about all these teams that are playing well together, and that's Curie as well. But Elijah Joyner, I mean, I, I, I am – a been a huge fan of this kid, 6'2", combo guard, headed to Tulsa. He went down and scored 31 points in, on Belleville Altoff. That's an eye-opener. And if, if he has – he doesn't have to do that every night. But if he has that capability to do that in some of their biggest moments and biggest games, the Kenwoods, city playoffs, that type of thing, I, I, that's going to bode well for – because I don't think, even in the state championship run, I didn't have that. You know, Devin Gage once in a while would step up big. There's that's for sure, but that's going to be huge for them if if he's that kind of megastar going forward. Yeah, and Terry Smith Jr. is is better. He's he's a lot more effective, especially as a scorer this season. He's putting up some very nice scoring numbers, and the two Martin brothers are so much better than they were at this point last year. It's kind of crazy. Yeah, it's definitely Curie's better right now, it looks, than at any point last year, I think. Um, that, that'll bring us right into the next first impression. But are they better than Simeon? I mean, Joe hit on it briefly. It was just a standout performance. They, they beat the number four team in the country 73-58. to 58. Looked amazing doing it. Uh, and they even answered some questions right away. The rebounding was supposed to be an issue. You know, were they going to be able to pull it off with Horton Tucker and Messiah Jones? They out-rebounded Gonzaga 42-26. to They completely dominated. Horton Tucker had 14. Messiah Jones had 7. You know, even the guards were getting 4 or 5 rebounds. It was a really a, a dominant performance. We talked about how good Taylor Horton Tucker looked. Marquise Brown, Kizo Brown looked excellent. Gilliard didn't have the best game. But we know what he can do. Kwan and he hit some big. He hit some daggers, some big shots. Yeah, he had three threes, I believe. Yeah, so it, yeah. it was it was a an absolutely spectacular opening performance. Maybe the only negative, I you know I like to give a negative, the depth wasn't there. Um, I, I don't know if there's going to be depth, Mike. Yeah, I, I, I mean as much depth as Simeon has had in the past, just, they're going to develop some a little bit. But it's not as – this is a different type of Simeon team. Uh, I talked to Rob Smith a little bit about it. He, he even admitted that you know he, that they played probably better as a team than maybe some of his other teams that played in their first game. Because people forget, when you go into these big 
you go to a big event like this against a nationally ranked team, you're not playing the opening game on Monday night of Thanksgiving week against, you know, in a Monday line tournament or at, you know, a lot of these tournaments, you just, that, that first game is just, ugh, it's tough. Every coach is, will, will tell you that. So for Simeon to come out, you know, obviously you're, you're, you're pumped up a little bit more for this type of game in that setting and against Gonzaga. But uh, for them to come out and play as well as they did, I, you know, I, I think that closed that gap. I mean, Curie's clearly number one. But there's not a big separation, just and it's a very small sample size. So we got we got to kind of, you know, wait and see how this plays out with Simeon. But it, it, all indications are, it's going to be a different type of Simeon team, but for sure a state title contender. Certainly, and let's go right into the third Pontiac team in the top five, Joliet West, which knocked off North Lawndale. Um, we knew so they were really good. Yeah, but do you have your worries because you're Joliet? passion you're always you're always worried about them yeah well i they lost they had a some definite warning signs last year you know they went in the toilet after pontiac yeah, but, this but team was how def- they finished different yeah i am not how they finished with those guys all coming back and with a guy like tavion i Kirk. didn't think they finished well they lost to a team they beat earlier in the season by like 14 points you, you, you go to the super. super sectional and you're saying it didn't end well? Yeah, because they should have beat that team. They should have beat Bennett. You say that every year, too. But you... <laughs> you, the, you yes, Joliet West should beat Bennett every year. We it, talked about... Wait, what? Yeah, if, they don't have, if they don't have Sean O'Mara... Yeah, they have 3,500 kids from Joliet. Yeah, they should be able to put together a team that can beat Bennett without a D1 player every time. Well, like that's... Okay. Well, I mean, then Simeon should have beat him. Well, well, I think that's pretty obvious. Yes, right, but, but well, my point is they don't. <laughs> yeah. They didn't get. They didn't get beat. So I'm just saying it wasn't like Bennett was just fluke. They kind of proved themselves that they weren't a fluke last year. I oh, mean, totally. Yeah, I'm not saying they so, are. I'm just saying Joliet West. Anyway, the question I had about wait, them, wait, 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 one more thing. So when Joliet, I'm just rewinding. Read Joliet West went and played Bennett in the super sectional after Joliet West won their regional, won their sectional. You expected them to beat Bennett? Yes. You did. They'd already beaten them. I watched. They beat them soundly. Oh, that's fine. I was just curious if you, if you, because you said they didn't, I mean, the one loss doesn't wipe away, I, I don't think, their strong finish is what I'm saying. Who did they beat in that finish? It was a very weak sectional. Well, it's a weak sectional every year. Yeah, no, I don't think there was some awesome playoff run last year by Joliet West, by any means. They beat everyone they should have and then lost to a team they'd already beaten. I give anybody who gets a super sectional their props. Not anymore, not in four-class basketball. Otherwise, we got to give some weird teams props. Um, well, there has different levels, I guess. Anyway, pro- that's last year. This year's team, totally, Kirk, totally different. Take that, Kirk. How much he improved, huh? Um, a, a ton um, I, Elijah Ward played very well. Tabius Casterberry played great, better than I'd ever seen him play. They have a legitimate, functional scoring center, which I didn't really expect. I'll say, but my biggest worry, a hundred percent worry. I was saying this privately to some people. It's not a kind of thing you like to say out loud all the time, but I'll say it now. I was worried that they were soft. I hadn't seen enough backbone in the team, and boy, did they prove it. They, they a Red West team. They out toughed Red West's North Lawndale on that court, and that just 
It made me feel great. The foul trouble they were in, great. I mean, you have to attack North Lawndale, and they did it. So that really put a lot of my worries aside. Their negative, however, was also depth. Um, Michael Smith is good off the bench. Um, they had Charles McKinney, a junior I didn't know of. He played about 10 minutes of the game. Basically just didn't screw up <laughs> was his um, contribution. But, yeah, not a lot of depth there. And they've only got like 11 guys on the roster. I know they have some talented sophomores that Nick DeForty decided not to bring up. I wonder if we'll may- maybe we'll see them later in the year. But that would be my only negative. Otherwise, man, they have size. They have shooting. They can get to the basket. It was a really impressive performance. And uh, we'll see what you think about this. I almost bumped them ahead of Evanston. Well, I I, I had no words about Juliet West. I, 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 as far as a team overall, man, but going back to our previous conversation, the types of teams I think that beats Juliet West are Bennett. I think teams that play really sound fundamental defense that are going to make them, force them to make perimeter shots uh, will ultimately give them a problem. They're not saying they can't win and beat them, but, See, that, that, that wasn't of... the case last year. They only had trouble with the more athletic, the teams that could match them athletically. They got crushed by Simeon, crushed by Curie. You know, they, they didn't have trouble with Bennett the first time at all. Well, Bennett was a completely different team. Yeah, I mean, they're in, used to playing that kind of stuff. March than they were in, in December. Yeah, but when you play the Lincoln Ways and Lockport and Minooka, they're very much used to the hard-nosed defensive teams. They weren't used to high-powered athletic public league teams. That's what had really given this team trouble, North Lawndale, not the Bennett types. I I disagree. I think the Bennett types will give this team uh, issues. I, I'm talking about good ones. I'm I'm not talking about Lock, last year's Lockport and Lincoln Way Centrals. Um, I, I just I, – I still don't see a lot of perimeter shooting. Uh, that's my concern for them. And when they are forced to make shots – uh, you know, and a lot of times you're not forced to. A lot of times you can create offense, you can create it with that defense, and that's what Tavion Kirk does. He sets a tone uh, on the both ends of the floor is, is what he does. And he, he's a winner, he's a leader, and now he's also a m- much improved player uh, from a year ago. Yeah, you're right about the the three-point. Luckily, they didn't take many threes. I think they only took five or six in the game. I think they only made one. Mike Smith is... Maybe, you know, Kirk's their best shooter, but Mike Smith's a guy who hits threes when he's open, and he didn't hit any in the game. They need him to do that a little bit more consistently, but they were able to get to the basket. Yeah, when the zone defense comes in, it's going to be a problem, I think. Mike Smith's going to have to hit some shots. Normally, Bell, Trevian Bell will shoot better. That was probably the most promising thing for them is he did not have a he didn't have a good first half at all. Second he's half, stre- he's he's streaky shooting yeah. it, and uh, but yeah, I mean they're they're clearly they they are who we thought. I mean, with that preseason ranking uh, was 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 warranted. Yeah, North Lawndale are um, my first impression of them. They my worries with them came to fruition. I mean, when you look at the stats, it's all you got to look at. Uh, they had five assists in the game. Uh, Stephen Ross had two. He was their leader. They just don't have anybody right now that's a true high school point guard to run that show. There's a lot of talent, but nobody to really get it all together. I, I mean, and I, I think Luthorpe knew that. He started playing some weird guys at the slot in the second half trying to look for that. Alfonso Washington, who I didn't even know, came in for a while. I think maybe London Stamps will try to take that role. And then the second thing with them was the big. I was worried they didn't have the big. And Caples, Leonard Caples was in foul trouble throughout the game. 
Um, that hurt them a lot. But even when he was in, I'm not sure he's going to be able to kind of hold down that spot. They're going to need to find some rebounding. Well, and Carlos Hines is more of a combo guard. I mean, he's going to be force fed and play a lot of point guard this year. And, you know, I, I'm going to, I think that progression will continue and it's going to have to, if they're going to, I mean, he has to be uh, a major factor at the, at the lead guard spot uh, before it's set, it's all said and done when you're going against elite teams like this. And I, I still like North Lawndale a lot. I'm by no means of, I mean, I, I think they can, you know, I don't know if they're a, they're clearly a notch below Simeon and, and, um, Curie. Uh, but they're, they're, I think they're without question, a top 15 team still. And that'll go right into a Kenwood who played young. It was a back and forth. You know, I feel bad. A lot of people thought this was the best game of the event. I think I was just wiped by that time. It was like 12 hours of watching high school basketball by the time I was watching them, and I was pretty dead, uh, to say the least. I'd done a lot of work. But obviously, it was a great finish. Kenwood pulled it out. I I, I saw a ton of talent on that Kenwood team. Kids I hadn't seen before play so well. I mean, it was, I think, what, R.J. Um, McGee, Robert McGee, was definitely an eye-opener. Wow, he looks like a, a really good college prospect as well. Kenwood is one team, a couple things. One, they're, they're probably the one team out of seeing the first two weeks of the season, Mike, that is better, that's clearly better than I thought they were going to be. Uh, some of these teams we're talking about now before that, they are, you know, they're they're good, and we thought they were going to be good. But Kenwood's better than I thought. They're deeper than I thought. Uh, and that's after even seeing this team play. I saw this team play a bunch this summer, and it was just a bunch of guys, and, and you're just kind of tr- – I was trying to figure out, and I think they were too, Marlo Finner and staff, they were trying to figure out pieces and how we're going to play these guys together because we got so many of them. And that that's what Kenwood is. They've got different guys that are going to kill you on different nights. And and yeah. on uh, yeah. Saturday night, it was Octavius um, uh, Parker, who just was a sniper from the perimeter. And, and that's what he does. That's what he's known for. But if he shoots it like that, I mean, that's a dangerous team. And then the steady point guard play that they did not have. As good as Kenwood was last year, they did not have steady point guard play. And they have that this year. Uh, so, I, And then you got the depth and, and the balance. And you've got a veteran presence inside of Manny Patterson. Uh, so this is a team that's better than I thought that – I walked out saying, you know what? I can't wait for that Kenwood Curie game and those matchups occur. Yeah, it's going to be spectacular. Yeah, Bryson Langdon of Kenwood, nine assists. Definitely. I didn't even have to look at all the stats. That was definitely the best at the Chicago Elite Classic. And yeah, that was well said. You're exactly right. They have different guys that can beat you every night. And But then they have the Manny Patterson. He had 16 and 14. That is what North Lawndale doesn't have. That's what Whitney Young doesn't have. That's kind of what Simeon doesn't have. You know, they have that rock down low. And if Manny does that consistently, puts up a low double-double every night with everything else they've got going around him, yeah, sky is the limit for Kenwood. This team, they can win the city. I think everything goes well. They could win the state title. I mean, they looked that good. Yeah, again, I've got, I I think it's clear Curie's one and Simeon's two in the the city. And then right now... you got a bunch of teams that are going to be kind of scratching and clawing to get up to their level. And Kenwood 
potentially can be there. And, you know, they, they came away with a, you know, a two point win over young, which is a team that's, you know, I think highly of, I have ranked high. I know, I don't think young has particularly played well in the Chicago league classic, uh, over the years in that first game. Uh, so, it comes down for me for Whitney Young is just Xavier Castaneda, who has just continued to battle injuries, and he had another one that kept him out of practice leading up to the game. Didn't you know he practiced a few days before, but he wasn't all healthy before that. They have to have him a point guard because everybody else feeds off him. Uh, I, you know I, he has to be the type of player that. When you get the glimpse of Xavier Castaneda, the 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 explosion uh, explosion in the open court, the uh, a little burst and getting to the rim, just barely saw it on Saturday night. And for them to be the type of team I think they can be, he's got to be that guy. I mean, Lucas Williams is, Williamson is rock solid. Uh, um, Justin Boyd. Justin yeah. Boyd. It was well. yeah, and he's been a highly highly thought of prospect. We just quite hasn't put it together. There's guys we haven't even seen or talked about. Miles Baker, a terrific sophomore who college coaches love and people in the city love. They need Xavier Castaneda to be the guy, and they have to get something. I don't care if it's one or two, either Jake Kosakowski or Justin Stovall. One of them has to give him something uh, as a player with some size. Yeah, you know, I think it was a positive for Young for sure. As great as Kenwood looked – you know, Young lost by two, and you're right, they don't seem to debut well at the Chicago Elite Classic. But this wasn't a team, to me, that looked like it was struggling to find itself. They moved the ball really well you know, yeah. throughout the game to get open looks. I think Javon Freeman got his first taste of high-level public league basketball. It wasn't, but he struggled, though. Yeah, it was, I mean, that, it's going to be like that. It's just a yeah. different type game, but he'll come around. I think he'll figure it out, probably be a much better player in the second half of the season. And just talking with Slaughter, Tyrone Slaughter over this, over the years with this Chicago League Classic, it, I, I, I get the feedback from what a crazy, hectic week it is. Because Whitney Young and Simeon put that on, that event. And Slaughter, I know just from listening, is running around crazy all week long. Their practice times are all goofy. He might have to miss some. It's just a kind of a messed up week for Young. It's a great event and a great time for them. But... Uh, to put this this event together, but that, you know that factors in too as well. But uh, I, I think they have some offensive weapons. So I know you were concerned about do they have enough offensive firepower? But if Boyd's shooting and playing that aggressive, that's really going to help them. Yeah, if he shoots like that, I mean that'll be a big help. And Lucas Williamson, man. I mean, 25 points, I think a lot of people were surprised to see that, that watched the whole game. You know, he just grinded out those points. Tons oh, of putbacks. Oh, I, I told you, when I read your story, I didn't know he had the 25. And I, I, it was like a, just a quiet kind of lunch bucket yeah. type of performance. And, and and that's who he is. That's who he was with his AAU team. And in an AAU world, Mike, that doesn't go very far. <laughs> I mean, it, it just doesn't. But on that Mean Streets team, he did all the dirty work. And I kept looking around, and you know, not enough coaches appreciated what he did for that that team. Uh, they have a big test coming up. They host Orr on Wednesday, I believe. So we'll find out a lot more about them. It's at Whitney Young, so I'm not sure if I'm going to go or not. Um, I might wait to see that one when it's at Orr. It's a little bit more fun in that atmosphere. But, um, yeah, big test. I mean, if 
I can definitely see Young winning that game. They pull that out. It's definitely they, they have a high ceiling. I think I had them ranked right about where they should have been in the preseason right now, but I think they have a much higher ceiling than some of the teams that are currently above them. So it'll be interesting to see kind of how things go for Young. Uh, who else? Uh, Uplift. Well, another team. Well, quick, Mike. Yeah. Another team that's better than I. I said Kenwood. You know who else is going to be better than I anticipated? Fenwick. Fenwick. Yeah. For sure. Fenwick is going to be good. I mean, these guys haven't even practiced together for more than a week. And, you know, we should have given more credence to the fact that that junior group went undefeated. Yeah. I mean, I had them South. 12 in the preseason. Yeah. And, and I, I probably had them in the teens. But I guess what I'm saying is what you just said about Young. I think their ceiling, especially when you consider 3A, I kind of see, you know, forecasting way down the road. <laughs> Fenwick, North Lawndale, one of those teams uh, getting through a a 3A sectional. But I I like that Fenwick team, especially for the amount of time they've had together uh, as a group coming off that football season. Yeah, they they got the biggest jump this week in the rankings. Bumped them up four spots all the way up to number eight. They, Yeah, it it was a truly impressive debut considering everything that school had been through, everything a lot of those, you know, Jacob Keller had been through in the last week. You know, with that kind of talent and Rick Malnati, they're going to be fine. Um, no doubt about it. Uh, and Evanston, real quick. Did oh, you get anything out of Evanston? Uh, I didn't. Because of that game? I didn't get to watch a thing. Oh, yeah. All right. It, it's yeah. just, I've I mean, seen as my second look, Conant game and then this one. And it was just not a, you can't get much out of playing the all-star team. Yeah, that so, was basically bad and pointless. Um, we talked about them a lot last podcast. Let's get to the uplift um, game. You know, it was early in the day. Um, I guess <laughs> I'm trying to think of the exact way to uh, phrase it. Um, Uplift's pretty much what I thought they were. I'd heard yeah, a, a lot yeah. of hype about them, and I don't not sure about all of it. I think they're good, but I just don't know if they have the bodies to compete with the top level public league teams. Now they're my team that I may. I, I they're clearly a ranked team. They're good enough to be a top twenty five team all year long, and they're good enough. What we freak? Well, I'll finish my point. I have them a little bit higher in the preseason than maybe I should have. That's what after one brief, you know. But we forget, you know, what their potential is in March. We forget what what the size of the school is. What their Mm -hmm. their circumstance is a little bit different. And when you start talking about that, it kind of just changes your whole perception. But I think all of us, including Coach David Taylor. And this is where the program is trying to head is, are they going to be a factor in the public league playoffs? Are they going to contend and compete for a Proviso West holiday tournament title? Those types of not, you know, not class two, a basketball when March rolls around, are are they going to be able to do those types of things? And I think the verdict's still out on that one. Yeah, I mean, it'll depend on just how much Marquise Jacobs develops this year. Um, he, he Obviously, it's there. He's an exciting player, but he's still just a sophomore, um, and that's going to kind of take some time, I think. Um, Dobbs also, he's an effective player, but he's going to have to improve quite a bit if they want to take on the big boys in the public league. But you're right. In their world, they're going to be just fine, so let's go right into the, their, the team they have to be better than is Orr um, for their – state hopes what did you think uh oh did you see or debut i did not see the or game um 
I was impressed. I think they were better than I expected. I had them 25 to start the year, and I, from what I hear, I did not get a chance to talk to them afterwards. They weren't too pleased about that, I guess. They, 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 I heard they about my 26th ranking. <laughs> yeah, I'm sure you did. Yeah, they, they, um, they impressed me. I mean, there were, you know, it's just hard. There were a lot of guys I didn't know about. Alex Flute, who was a transfer from Provisor West um, two years ago, I think, maybe sat out last year. He scored 17 points, hit five threes. I think he shot 50% from three. There, there's just a lot of bodies there, a lot of athletes. There's a lot for Lou Adams to work with. Uh, Mosley, Tyron Mosley, is a very impressive uh, prospect. Raekwon Drake did what he usually does. Didn't even have to score a ton uh, for them. So, yeah, I think Orr definitely is kind of right with Uplift. I don't, right now, it's hard to see them challenging the city powers for a city title, but they're going to be great and a huge threat to, to win 2A. Yeah, Matt, I, I, I just waiting to see the consistency from Orr. You know, will we get that all year long? And that's kind of been the thing recently. It just You just never know what you're getting from Orr uh, from game to game. Uh, that is, so we pretty much, that should wrap up our uh, first impressions, right? That we hit everybody? I think we hit most of those, yeah. All right, let's uh, jump in. I, well, I guess one thing we should mention before we jump into your head, uh, DeMonte Williams, the Illinois recruit from Peoria Manual, hurt his knee. Uh, I checked like kind of right maybe an hour before the podcast, and there was, still has been no update that I've seen on it. Uh, it didn't look good. He was helped off the court by his teammates. You know, this is major impact on the uh, Pontiac Holiday Tournament, obviously, but I know Illinois fans are very concerned as well. You never want to hear about a knee uh, type thing. Have you heard anything at all, Joe? I, I have not confirmed anything. Okay. So. Let's uh, take a look at the week ahead. Uh, we talked about it briefly, Orr and Young. That's going to be a big one on Wednesday. Tuesday, it's always a big one. Morgan Park at Bogan. Bogan's fallen out of the rankings, but they're still Bogan. And Morgan Park still has to go to that gym. Morgan Park He's is still at Bogan, yeah. Yeah, Morgan Park is in Detroit too, as we speak. So that's going to be some travel. It's going to be an interesting game. Morgan Park, I'm sure, wants to make a splash after not being in the Chicago Elite Classic. They left that, so they've been hearing an awful lot about Simeon and Curie for the last few days. And I know Morgan Park thinks they're right there with them, so it's going to be a, a proving ground for them. We'll see how many. Uh, Points Ayu Dusumu can put on Bogan. I think Morgan Park has to be considered the heavy favorites, but it's just always a really tough game and a tough place to play. Big suburban game, Fremd and Conant. Uh, I believe that's Friday night. Yep, Friday. You no, know, I, I think Fremd is probably tired of hearing all the Conant hype. Uh, you know, I've given him a lot. I've uh, talked a lot about him, ranked him high. Jimmy Soto's and Ryan Davis. Fremd is a is an underrated team that people aren't talking about. That is now they haven't played the toughest schedule yet, but they've just thrashed people. Yeah, uh, just you know, it's a senior group with a you know a promising sophomore and Bryce Hopkins, so Brian Domke and Kyle Sliwa. It's a it's a good looking team. That's that's you know those those mid suburban league games are usually tight and, and low scoring and uh, friend and Coner are both both terrific defensive teams. So that'll be a good one in the mid suburban league. Definitely. Fremd, yeah, their wins aren't spectacular, but I think Lake Forest Academy is probably pretty good. Uh, Chris Harris has been putting up some big numbers, and they beat them by 10. So Mm -hmm. that's definitely the the biggest win they have. I put them in the rankings at number 24 because, you know how I love to do that, if they beat Conant, obviously they deserve to be there. If they don't, 
it's easy to get rid of a team after they lose. Um, should probably hit on that. We've had uh, St. Rita join the rankings as well. I was very impressed uh, with their win over Providence St. Mel. Obviously, you know, the, the Knights aren't the greatest team in the world, but you could see that with the backcourt uh, of Jordan Matthews and um, Rashad William, Rashad Williams, uh, they looked mm-hmm. really good. Uh, I really like the potential there. That team's going to get better. They're really young. Yeah, um, they are. I mean, they got, uh, you know, some size to go with it. They got Jeremiah Oden, a 6'4 kid, whose dad, Jonathan Oden, played at DePaul. I mean, it's, uh, you know, I had them in the 40s in my massive top 65. So, I mean, I, I, I thought they were going to be a, a sneaky good team. That's why I put them in there. But uh, they might be better. They, they're, they're probably be better than that. Yeah, we didn't know about um, the sophomore I wrote about. He was a transfer from Seton that had the big night, the big double-double. He's a kind of a Ed Morrow type. He kind of does everything. Um, that the kid you mentioned did not play. Jeremiah uh, Oden? Yeah, I had somebody else tell me to look out hmm. for him. I don't know what it was. Um, I didn't yeah, really get a great answer He's grown like three, four inches in the last year. That's yeah, interesting. Play. Uh, the other new team in the rankings, Downers Grove North, who we hit on. A decent amount in the preseason. They beat Lions, so Lions is out. Downers Grove North is in. That's a um, big win for them. Yeah, definitely at five and zero, and so that that hits all the uh, the new teams in the rankings. Notre Dame didn't make it. A lot of people are upset about that on Twitter. Um, yeah, they're six and zero. None of their wins are very good yet, and that game against Loyola kind of left a bad taste in my mouth. Honestly, <laughs> I think it's probably Loyola's fault more than Notre Dame's, but. It was just kind of ugly and didn't make you want to rank a team necessarily. But I'm sure Notre Dame has a ton of big games, tons of chances to get into the rankings. And uh, anything else? Any other first impressions? Anything else you want to hit, Joe, before we wrap this up? Uh, I think the one underrated game this weekend, Mike, is Lincoln Way East and HF. Lincoln Way East is a much improved team. They got a transfer. They've got got talent. And I'm not saying they're going to beat HF because HF is – the cream of the crop and you know uh in the south suburbs right now um and i just think that's one to just kind of keep a good barometer of how good lincoln way east or how far they've come this weekend and then i guess also listeners i know it's public league heavy based on the chicago league classic and the results and so much of that basketball we promise you that there will be a lot more uh suburban talk uh going forward next week yeah definitely i'm gonna be out seeing a bunch of suburban games this week so we'll have a lot First impressions to give of that. And interesting, you mentioned Lincoln Ways because I might actually go see them play Lions. They have a back to back. It's at uh, they play HF at seven on Friday night, and then at two thirty in the afternoon, Lions comes to Lincoln Way East. So we'll know an awful lot about Lincoln Way East after those. That's a games. Saturday afternoon game. Yeah, Saturday afternoon, two thirty at Lincoln Way East. Wow, that's odd. Yeah, it should be. I like it. I'll be able to maybe check that out and then head over to something else at night. So should be fun but anyway thanks everybody for listening and we will be back next week 